0: I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by actor, producer, creator, and comedian, Asif Manvi. Stay tuned. I'm always humbled to share conversations with wonderful guests, but even more so to share it with you. So thank you for listening, for sharing it with your friends, for subscribing to the podcast and for following us on social media at Dr. Abhay You know, on a playground, there are so many things to experience. The swings, the slide, climbing structures, rocking and spinning and teeter tottering, loads of fun for sure. And periodically on the playground of life, As a performance artist, it's probably great to sometimes pause and reflect, take stock, and appreciate what's in front of you, and then move onward to more success. And that's kind of where I found actor, creator, comedian, and producer Asif Manvi when I caught up with him recently. Asif's widely known for his work as a correspondent on the Emmy-winning Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and currently he's starring in two television series, CBS's Evil, created by Robert and Michelle King, and the UK series This Way Up, with Ashling B, which is available on Hulu. Asif's the son of Indian immigrants, grew up in England's north, and came to the US to Florida when he was a teenager. Asif's artistic skills are diverse in that he's done award-winning work in theater, film, and in web series, but he's also an author, a producer, and the voice of Sahil on Disney's Mira Royal Detective. But what resonated for me, of course, among this bevy of talents, is that he's a devoted father, husband, and the podcast host of Lost at the Smithsonian, where he gets up close and personal with culturally significant artifacts and celebrity guests. As we began our conversation, I asked Asif if he started out 2022, as many folks might have, with a New Year's resolution.
1: No, I'm not really a resolution guy. I feel like maybe I was when I was younger and I felt like, you you know, you always. I don't feel like resolutions really work for me. Like I'm going to work out more. I'm going to, you know, whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to make, I just feel like, I think that, I, I think what I do probably at the beginning of the year, or at least I try to do is I try to sort of like have intentions and, visualize things that I would like to have for the upcoming year. And also just a lot like what I've discovered in recent years, as I've gotten older, is that like one of the most powerful tools I find is just the act of, of, of writing down gratitudes and sort Mm. of having it's, it's an incredibly centering and focus focusing kind of activity for me. And on a, just an energy level kind of brings me back to the center and and gets me out of anxiety and neuroses and all of those things, you know, and
0: and rather than like sort of prospecting out the the stuff you're not doing and want to do more, just more sort of taking stock. And I think it's, yeah,
1: I think it's both. I think it's, it's like, it's like finding gratitude for all the things that I have that I don't not always, sort of conscious of, you know, but taking time to be conscious of those things and then kind of just setting intentions and, and sort of visualizing things for the future. I feel like a resolution is, is too stressful. Like, it's like, Oh, I made this resolution. It's a, I'm resolved. It's a a resolute. Do you know what I mean? It's too, it's too stressful. Like I, I I feel like I need a softer, I need a softer entry. I, I found that like mostly in my life, I do better when I have the ability to, to fail. When I have already baked in a certain level of failure, I realize like my wife and I are very different this way for her. She's more of like a perfectionist and, and, and needs, needs thing, you know, but she's also like a very type a sort of, you know, she went to Princeton and Harvard and Stanford and you know what I mean? Like she's very like, She's an overachiever, you know, in, in, in the best way. And, and I've always just I just bake in a 20 percent failure right. or <laughs> 30 percent, 30 percent failure factor into everything.
0: Uh, do you yeah. do you almost need to have a sort of parachute baked into just about everything or?
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably why I got married so late in life, because it was always a parachute. Was also an exit strategy.
0: Well, I mean, last year was was pretty, you know, eventful in that way. I mean, you had roles as Ben on Evil and Vish on this way up and and yeah. the sort of characters are are a bit of a contrast in that it seems like one's sort of this fixer and this problem solver and the other has sort of a lot of fine problems to solve. And mm-hmm. um and then there's Sahil from Mira Royal Detective.
1: Have yeah. you
0: have you kind of grown to as you've gotten uh, older and, and more mature in this business, have you grown to gravitate towards sort of like this blend of complexities that allow for, Hey, there's going to be some, you know, perfection and failure sort of in grown into that, or, you know, the contrast of some of these roles and characters, how, how's that developed more and more as you've maybe gotten older as a professional?
1: Well, I think, I, I mean, you know the, the contrast within between the characters it was never a conscious choice. It was just, you know, they offered me the role of Vish in this way up, and I was super excited just because, actually, at the time I, I wasn't really working much. Evil hadn't come along yet. I got this opportunity to work with Ashley Bay, who I I read her her scripts and I thought. Wow, this is really good stuff and it's really yeah. talented. And, and I've always, and I, and I grew up in the UK, you know, and I've always wanted to go back and yeah. do something in, in England, like a, you know, a show or something. And I thought, wow, a, a British Britcom, as they call them, you yeah. know, um, I was like, this is so fun. And Sharon Horgan, I'm a huge fan of hers from catastrophe. Yeah. To, to sort of work with her and get to like, be in scenes with her was a little bit of a dream come true for me because I was like, I'm just already a huge fan of her and her talent and, and, and all that. So I, I, I like the idea that I would get to work with her was a little bit like, wow, I can't believe I yeah. get to do that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it was. And, and then the character was a sort of a romantic lead and it's a role that I haven't gotten to play that much in my life, but it, and partly because coming up as a brown actor in Hollywood, you didn't get offered a lot of romantic leads. You do yeah. now, I think it's mm-hmm. much more something that you see. But, you know, in the 90s and stuff, when I was coming up in the early 2000s, there weren't a lot of roles yeah. as romantic leads. Even though I feel like there's a romantic lead, sort of a comic romantic lead inside of me. Um, I never got to express that in the way that I would have liked to or felt. Like like I was naturally inclined to
0: well, so then, does Ben yeah. in evil feel a little bit more natural, or like that that's a oh, that's
1: Ben an... Ben, again, is another really interesting, complex character because on on one hand, and the weird thing is I auditioned for Ben while I was doing this way up in yeah. the u k. Yeah. And so they both sort of happened around the same time. And and Ben was originally written, written as kind of like a, a tech nerd sort of guy. So like right. more in a traditional vein of like what I would have been cast as, yeah. as a brown actor, you know, but then once they, and he wasn't written as a brown character. It was written as a, I think in the original breakdown, it said he was a cross between Patton Oswalt and Penn Jillette. Okay. Um, yeah. Which basically meant he was a little bit overweight. <laughs> Maybe he had a ponytail, right. you know, I, I, I sort of thought, oh, okay. But then when they cast me, I think it was an opportunity for the Kings as well yeah. to create a much more interesting and, and complex character than just making him this sort of like donut eating tech nerd. Right. And, 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 and embrace the the diversity element of what, of casting me and, and the ethnicity and then making him a, come from a Muslim family and all that. And also like what I've gotten to do as Ben
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, in the sort of horror thriller genre. And like, again, is something that I never would have gotten to do coming up in this business, you know, those roles in terms of like being the kind of the, 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 the obvious kind of like he, he is in, in the trio he yeah. is kind of the, 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 the impersis, the, the practical one, the one I think always is sort of grounded, but he also gets to struggle with his own quote unquote demons and stuff and really get into the internal <clears throat> elements of that. And, you know, in, in season two of Evil, he's visited by a, a, a succubus who haunts him at night and, and, and just getting to do that kind of stuff in an area that goes way beyond what they had originally written uh has been has been really rewarding
0: is that exploration almost that for the team to be able to kind of work around you is that is that just easier as as an older actor in that way would you have been able to sort of conceptualize this even you know when you were in your 20s or 30s i'm just
1: getting over the fact that you called me an older actor
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know what,
1: what? So if I'm 50, and I think you're what? You're 55. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I am though. I am an old one. No,
0: I feel like I'm in peer territory
1: here. So. I know. I know. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing. I think what you're asking is, does that level of maturity sort of bring? I, I can't speak from it because I'm inside it, so I, I don't know how to like unpack sure. it. Really. I think yes. I, my answer is yes. That that having compared to who I was when I was 35, who I am today is a much more, has lived 20 years of life and and has a sort of level of experience. And, you know, I think there's an innate complexity that I like to bring to characters. And I think I'm, honestly, and I don't mean this in a sort of any, any, with no hubris or anything like that, just as a practical reality, is that I think I'm a better actor today than I was then. And that's because you know when I was younger, you' you're just running on, on on pure talent and adrenaline and, and and energy. you know like like maybe for an athlete, the, the comparison will be that when you're younger, you don't need to warm up as much. you just you just get out there and just yeah. play ball, you know like you know like as, as a young yeah. athlete, you're kind of just like, yeah, I can do a backflip, no big deal. like my body is, works and it's good and it's fun. And then as you get older, you realize like, oh actually I need to warm up. I need to like do more internal processing and and sort of get prepped more. And that work actually, weirdly enough, makes the work feel, for me, being more interesting and deeper. And and, and you end up making choices that you might not have made had you not done that prep work. And, And now I kind of look at my 35 year old self and go like, using the athlete comparison, you should have been getting up and stretching every morning, you know, like even when you were that young, you should have been doing that.
0: Do you recognize now that, and maybe you did then you just weren't aware of it. Do you recognize now that it's that you treat it more like a craft than, than you did earlier?
1: Yeah. I mean, I went to school and everything and I always, you know, I studied and I, I took acting class for many years and it was always a craft, but I think
0: Maybe more cognizant of it now I'm
1: more cognizant of it today i'm more yeah. I, I feel like I feel like when I was younger, I kind of just I, I think I was just like, yeah, I can do this like yeah. you know like like I could just do it yeah and, and it wasn't it wasn't hard and and not that it's hard now, but now I feel like I have more knowledge to bring to it i have and I enjoy the work of it more than I ever did before like I enjoy the prep I enjoy the script analysis, like looking at, you know, and, and that I think comes from a little bit of maturity and not just sort of flying by instinct, but actually using instinct as a starting point and then going deeper. And and my instincts have always been good. I feel like in terms yeah. of as an actor.
0: Well, and, and in those earlier days, so many know you from working with Jon Stewart on the daily show and to me, like sort of the Michael Jordan of, of that genre in that way, for all the things that you maybe just described in sort of now being more cognizant of the craft and like thinking retrospectively of what you did or didn't? Were, were there lessons in preparation, or lessons from the institution of that show, or John Stewart himself and, and methods in, in your perfecting this over time that, that you took away? that have now become much more part of, of your signature style in this?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, like, 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 I think that the daily show, I got to work with incredibly talented people who were very funny and very smart. And I could, I could even say like, they were, you know, they were smarter and funnier than I was. And that was a good place to be at yeah. that point because I had done a lot of stuff at that point. I'd been on Broadway. I'd done movies. I'd done TV stuff. Done, and then I was in this kind of bubble of the Daily Show where every day I got to show up, you know, for, for, for almost a decade. Yeah. Um, every day or practically every day and, and, and get to work on the, the minutia of comedy and how it is constructed and how it is. And that, I think, seeped into my DNA. It, it had to. Yeah. You know, I think it just sure. had to. And so, and because you know, when we did field pieces and stuff on the daily show, we were involved in it from soup to nuts, right? Like we were involved with it in, in it from the initial idea and then all the way to the edit. And we'd sit in the edit with the editors and 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 sort of figure out, like, okay, you know, how is this constructed in a funnier way? And I feel like today that has helped me as a producer, you know, yeah. as a writer performer just just, yeah yeah, as a performer and all that you know so just just, you know that that was with the daily show i learned more about comedy you know than i could have ever dreamed of of learning
0: I, i think about the as you grow into that and you you sort of have this fan moment versus the idea that hey you're you're part of this institution that takes a concept and and works it from going from soup to nuts and creates this great outcome with it. Yeah. I've listened to a couple episodes, by the way, of your podcast, Lost at the Smithsonian. And Mm -hmm. I mean, especially the episodes about like Fonzie's jacket. Yeah. You know, and, and chatting with Henry Winkler, how does being a fan of something and like really sort of like having this reverence for an institution or concept, how does that kind of inform the work and the outcome? Is it easy to work with someone or something because you're a fan of it? I mean, some of the roles that you're maybe unfamiliar with now, but you've grown to really love and and you know get good at it. does it ever if you're a fan, if you're such a hyper fan of something, does it ever bias or sort of cloud the discovery process as you go yeah, forward? Yeah, I
1: mean, I, it's an interesting question because I think that it does in some ways it can because if you are a hyper fan, you know, when I interviewed Henry Winkler, I was such a fan of of his and, and I had grown up and I had such a, a hist- you know, I think I had grown up watching him, right? I mean, I had, I didn't think I had, I had grown up watching him yeah. and I had such a, a a kind of association with him and the idea that I was even getting to speak with him. Right. Like I was thinking, I kept thinking about my 13 year old self, just like pinching himself going like, wait. Yeah the guy that's on your wall, you know, like, like, yeah. I, like I do, I do think about that sometimes. Like I'm like, like in that moment, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm interviewing the guy that I had yeah. a poster off on my yeah. wall. When I was 13 years old, it was like a big influence on me as a kid watching happy days as a kid in England, in the North of England, you know, like Fawns. It was just such a major part of my childhood. And then you don't want to like, like, like you want to be able to ask a question and, and get an honest Response and, and at the same time, you don't want to offend that person. You don't want to like you don't want them to be mad at you for asking them that. You don't want to yeah. ask them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't want to like, and so and, and and inherently that makes you a little bit handcuffed. So it's yeah, it is always easier to interview people that you don't necessarily have any all that association with, you know, because you can. You you could you 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 can follow the train of thought. You don't edit yourself. You don't go, oh yeah. shit, can I ask that? Because then he's gonna he's gonna say, Why the could you ask me that? Right. And, oh, whatever it is, you know, like yeah. like and then he's and then he's gonna be mad at me. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like so, yeah. so there is that, you know. And you
0: don't I, want I, to piss I, off the fonts, that's for sure.
1: You don't want to piss off the fonts, you know. Right. And I think I think there was one area of questioning where I was sort of talking to him a little bit about the inherent sexism that existed. In yeah. the character of the Fonz, you yeah. know, yeah, and and I ha- and I broached it with incredible, like, I was, I was, I went there, but Be I careful. wanted to go there, yeah, but I was also like scared to go there with him, you know, sure. because I because he's also and, and he was great, you know, he answered yeah. the question and he talked about it, and he's just such a, a, a gentle, great guy, you know, right, and, right, and which helps. He, he's just such a great guy to talk to, and, and had such a great humility about himself and his yeah.
0: performance you know let me let me ask you this i mean you you mentioned you you've grown up in sort of the middle north of of england and bradford and and then you spent some formative years in in the middle of florida do do you as a south asian kind of child of of immigrants do you ever wax just like you were saying you sort of like there's this as you're a fan and you wax nostalgic for that 13 year old poster in your room do, do you ever wax nostalgic for for you know Bradford or or the middle of Florida and Tampa, you know, now again in this in the vein of bringing a brown artist in 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 Hollywood.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't wax nostalgic about Florida that much. I think those are really awkward years, you know, high school, college. I mean, I have really wonderful, terrific friends that I still have from that period of my life but but that actually that period of my life i think you know we had come to this new country it was it, there was a lot of upheaval there was a lot of sort of it, i was also going through puberty and you know the 16 17 it was like that whole era that whole time period it was a weird time and and i don't
0: there's probably a lot of big change for you too there a right? lot of
1: big changes and stuff yeah. and i think i and and my family as well was going through a lot of changes at that time because we moved to a new country and you know in the middle and my parents were doing it in the middle of their lives you know they yeah. were in their forties when when right. they came to America and stuff you know there's a possibility you know like like nice. I think a big part of of my childhood in Bradford even though it was you know look like I dealt with I'm not trying to like paint it as like some kind of like you know rosy sort of like thing yeah. you know it, there was a lot of racism i dealt with a lot of s- stuff in terms well, of
0: being marginalized and
1: marginalized and all that you know like, like going to boarding school and, and all that stuff but there was also a little kid who had a dream of getting out of there yeah. and, and and all the things i was going to do in my life that often ad- adversity and racism and 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 being marginalized forces at least for me forces me to dig down even deeper into that yeah and 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 it was also when i discovered wanting to be an actor and and, and wanting to be an actor and having that skill and dreaming about that and discovering like oh this is what i want to do with my life i discovered very early on like like i was 13 years old when i was like i want to be an actor you know that was it like once yeah. i decided that that was what i was going to do it was what i was going to do and maybe i wouldn't do it but that would be because I couldn't do it right. for some reason, Right. not because I didn't try. That was, you know, it would have been because society or the culture didn't have a space for me, you know? In that time period, there was a lot of like discovery of my own, like, you know, who I am and, and my talent and, 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 and the creativity and all that against, like, it was, there was a kind of I'll show everyone sort mm. of attitude. Yes of like, I'm going to get out of this dump and, yeah. and go and make it. and you Well, know.
0: it's sort of this, like, you know, you know, me against the world, you know, you have other young people around you who sort of maybe think think the same way. Yeah. And, and you're right that like, you know, now sort of being in Florida and then subsequently being an American, you know, you don't necessarily have maybe the same kind of Rich nostalgia for for those times, or maybe a different relationship with
1: those yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, each each you probably I think most people can understand it. Like each period of your life, like sort of has a different yeah palette, a different yeah. color. You yeah. know,
0: and so it's the different you know, scene, different movie. So yeah, of you know. Going. So and and with that, like being a South Asian media artist, an actor, a writer, a producer, a comedian in in twenty twenty two, in in what seemingly is this explosion of brown faces yeah. and talent. Is it just simply easier to find space now in, in this field than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago? Or, or perhaps because there's this explosion that it just produces new challenges as to how to...
1: Well, I think both. I mean, I think, I mean it's interesting, you know, because it's like there's, a, there's an explosion right now. You know, there's there's a bunch of, of talent that is coming up that are younger than I am, yeah. you know, who who sort of like are now getting nominated for Oscars and you know, and, right. and, and and starring in TV shows and movies and stuff. And and that would never have happened when I was in my 30s or in yeah. my late twenties or whatever. It just wasn't a possibility, you know. There is a kind of sense of trying to find your your space, your 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 in this new world now where it has opened up. So yes, in some ways the stories that I can tell it's funny I had this conversation with my agent the other day where he was like, you know, maybe don't maybe don't be developing so many things at the same time because you're just going to flood the marketplace and I realized like I was like, oh, part of the problem is that brown folks like me have been sitting on so many things for so long. Yeah. With nowhere to take them yeah like like suddenly it's like we're like suddenly like the floodgates have opened up and I'm like, oh my god, uh, you mean, you mean people actually care right that <laughs> I have a story to tell about like me and and my experience or, or whatever you know oh like brown people like me and and it's like suddenly it's like, wait a minute, we can because because so much of of the time was spent like, well, we can't get this story made like this. We're gonna have to like do that you know what I mean like, like when I did today's special, in the, in 2009, you know, we had to have a white girl yeah. as the, the girlfriend because the reality, and, and, you know, we got a lot of blowback subsequently because people were like, well, you know, you're just playing it. And, but the reality, the, 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 the reality of getting a film made at that time was that if they didn't have a white lead female, then we weren't going to get that movie yeah. made or distributed yeah. or financed or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I was already starting it. I was Indian read indian yeah. other other Indian actors. we had to get some white people in there, and we had to get some really now it's a different story like, yeah. like i'm 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 producing a, a feature right now um, and, and working with a writer on it It's a completely indian it's an entirely Indian cast. there are no white people in it. you know the idea of making that movie 10, 15 years ago would have been unheard of like, you know the one I'm just talking about like you would they would immediately be like, we gotta get some white people in here. There gotta be white yeah. people. Where, where are the white people? Right. You know? So like today you could take that to Netflix and they can be like, Great, we don't yeah. need white people, you know, yeah. to, to make this movie. And and that's great. And 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 so there's projects now that I'm developing and working on that I don't think I could have ever done, but at the same time, it's like there's just not enough hours in the day to yeah. tell all the stories now, because it's like, Oh my God, we've been sitting on this for so long. Like this, we've been waiting for this moment. And now yeah. it's like, my agents are like, okay, slow down, buddy. <laughs> you don't want so many projects in the field. You want to like, try to like, you know, right. it's like, slow down. I've been sitting there like, you know, I've, 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 been, I've been, I've been, I've had my foot on the clutch for a long time. Right. You
0: know? Right. It's, it's a lot of acceleration and a lot of discovery. Are, are there, you know, you have such a vibrancy about you, and and there's so many different roles that you play. Are are there some uh, talents or or roles that you're still newly discovering even now? Um, do you, do you wear any director hats? Are you looking to do more or different kinds of? Uh, well, I'm
1: pr- i mean, I'm producing, and that's exciting. You know, I've got a, I've got a few projects and I'm producing. There's a there's a uh, I just did the uh, American version of the british panel show called would i lie to you just produced that with robert and michelle king and uh and truly original um i'm hosting that and yeah. that's going to be with the cw and that's going to be coming out this year it's super fun it's just like a funny just a good time you know it's it, yeah. there's no there's no politics involved it's not satire it's not any of that it's just people getting on telling hilarious stories comedians and other actors and you know so so i'm excited about that i do want to direct that is my next thing and i'm and i'm working towards that and i hope to i hope that i get to direct and i'm always writing so like you know like i'm writing stuff i want to direct stuff i'm producing stuff now i've got a few projects that i'm working on a couple of animated things so that's the other thing the pandemic has opened up the idea of like oh you can do animation you know (laughs) suddenly everybody's creating animated so I've got two animated projects that I'm working on you know so yeah
0: it's in like I said it's not only just an explosion of of talent out there but it's really a a joy and pleasure to see it all blossom for you Asif thank you so so much thank you so much this was so much fun and I hope you'll come back and join us again at some point I will thank you Thanks again, Asif. And in the spirit of karma and gratitude, let's all try and get out there and just do something nice with no prompting. Go make someone's day special. Till next time, I'm a Nekrit.
1: I'm not Keith I won't put you in a song. yeah, I feel Yo, this is Tesher, and you've tuned in to Ruckus Avenue Radio. Number 1 South Asian radio station in the world